All right, welcome back to another episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. The podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. Without further ado, we are going to dive into this episode. So today... We're going to mix things up with a book review of A Terrible Fall of Angels by Laurel K. Hamilton. But first, let us let each person introduce themselves in case you found us. And this is the first time you heard us. We've got none other than Mr. Nick Garber of Apogee fame. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how yeah, uh, listeners can find you? Uh, I'm Nick Garber of Apogee Comics. And uh, you can find me at www.apogeecomics.net. And you can find me at, at Apogee Comics on Twitter and the other thing with the pictures, Instagram. And you can also find me at Nick Garber Art on Twitter and Instagram at, at Nick Garber Art. And also, if you are in the Las Vegas area next weekend, the 22nd through the 24th, I think that's right. I don't know. Check your calendars. So next Friday through Sunday, I'll be at the Fanboy Expo in glorious Las Vegas. All right. So you're just putting me on the spot because we're recording this Easter and you said next weekend, which means I have to put it out this week. Thanks for that. A little extra work since I prepped the other episode that was supposed to go live. But hey, it's a rookie mistake because Nick is our rookie. But it's OK. True, we're going to we're going to do it anyway. I am Seska. First off, who are you and what are you famous for? Uh, I am Seska and I'm famous for putting up with you. Yeah, probably. And you also <laughs> run uh, the tiniest con in America, the Dragon Con. I think I don't uh, run it. I just, I just run one segment. Well, yeah, you run the the fantasy side where you talk about dragons. Uh, and I think there were like two people that came to your panels last year because you had thirteen total at the con. But you know, that's progress. And maybe next year you'll hit fifty. We got faith in you, kid. <laughs> you can. I have it. lines with over four hundred people in them. You can shut up. Oh, there's not that many people in Atlanta. That's just a trick of the government. JR, remember, in scientific notation, you have to pay attention to the numbers. All of the numbers, like the 10 to the whatever power. No, that's all government conspiracy. They're like birds. They're not real. They're just drones. But anyway, are you, I, am, that's okay. <laughs> I am none other than author JR Hanley. And uh, you can find me at jrhanley.com. I write the words. Uh, Nick draws the pretty pictures. And Doc is just pretty, I guess. And we will move on. <laughs> What? You write words too, Doc. I mean, I've read your short story. You're Pretty, like I guess. Story. Thank you. Anyways, before JR totally puts his foot in it, let's continue on. All right. So first, <laughs> uh, because we're doing a book review, I thought it would be important for us to, to show you like what how we're going to organize our reviews. And this will go forward for every review we do, but we'll repeat it every time just because uh, and uh, describe it. So we've got the book summary, which is the synopsis. Mostly we take that straight from the back of the book if the author is kind enough to do that. And if not, what the heck are they doing with their lives? Uh, then we've got the book cover. This is where we're going to review the cover, the font, the imaging, the typeset, all the stuff Nick gets really, really excited for. And I'm just like, oh, okay, pretty, shiny. Yeah. Um, we've got the characters. So it's who, they, who the characters are. Do we like them? How do they look, act? Were they believable, sympathetic? and well-rounded then we've got the plot which is the general idea for the story arc was it action-packed easy to follow did it lag in places were there parts that we didn't buy 
Then the next category we got is a world building and description. So it's how fleshed out was their world? Did we buy it? Could we envision ourselves there? Basically the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and did the author give the details to visualize those things or did we have to make it up ourselves? Uh, then we've got the narration for those books that we listen to in audiobook, where we review the quality of the area uh, of the book itself. Were there technical issues in it? Did we like the voice of the narrator? Did they do things inconsistently? Did they leave weird things in in post-production, which has happened and is always hilarious? Um, fi finally, we've got any major themes. Uh, this is where we discuss, obviously, the major themes in the novel. As we see them, obviously, other people might find other themes. That is perfectly acceptable, and you should put those in the comments if you disagree with us and have read the novel. And finally, the overall, which is where we put our opinions, whether we would recommend it and why, and we give it a generic uh, rating on a five-star scale. Uh, or, or you know what? We're the blaster, uh, Blasters and Blades, so how about either five knives or five blasters? I know, dealer's choice. We'll, we'll rate it on those. Five killing instruments. Choice. Five killing instruments. Did we, how, many, how many killing instruments did we rate it? So... All right. The doc, you're laughing at me. Why are you laughing? Is this the booze talking? Special. Oh, okay. See, she likes me. So the book summary from the back of the book. <clears throat> and I'm not, not gonna try to do the the uh, the voices Nick does, uh, because the voices in my head don't sound like that. But we've got <laughs> if you want me to, I can do it. All right, do the voices as you hear the book them summary from the back of the book, right? Yeah. Okay. Line item five on the re outline. Well, it's nine. Nine. Mine item nine. Anyway, book summary from the back of the book. Angels walk among us, but so do other unearthly beings in this brand new series by number one New York Times bestselling author Laurel K. Hamilton. Meet Detective Daniel Havelock, a man with the special ability to communicate directly with angels. A former trained angel speaker, he devoted his life to serving both the celestial beings and his fellow humans with his gift. But a terrible betrayal compelled him to leave that life behind. Now he's a cop who is still working on the side of angels. But where there are angels, there are also demons. There's no question that there's evil at work when he's called in to examine the murder scene of a college student. But is it just the evil that one human being can do to another, or is it something more? When demonic possession is a possibility, even angelic protection can only go so far. The race is on to stop a killer before he finds his next victim, as Daniel is forced to confront his own very personal demons and the past he never truly left behind. The first in a new series from author of the Anita Blake and Mary Gentry series. That's All right. It. Well, so I'm going to say if your career in the pictures doesn't work out, you could get a career making audiobooks. I'm just saying. This could be your new thing. Or at least radio blurbs. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, uh, you, you got the voice, man. You could you could totally do it. I My mom always told me I had a face for radio. Me too. Ooh. And I've got a voice for print though. So, you know, I'm kind of hosed. Well, my mom never said anything about me. She just looked at me and smiled, which is probably why I then had to do chores. Oh my God. What's that like? <laughs> no, no, no. Whoa. You're so tall generally means you wanted something from the top shelf. No, it's a good size. So, but JR, uh, continue. All right. So we've got, uh, are we all okay with the summary from the back of the book? Did we, do we agree with it? Good yeah, I think, I think that, that kind of just, 
I think it really did touch on it without on all the the major stuff without giving away anything. It did yeah. focus a little bit on her bona fides, but I think if you're picking up Laurel K. Hamilton, Hamilton, even if you haven't read her books, you've heard of her. I don't know if that was necessary, but I mean, if I was a number one bestseller, I might put that on there too. But but it is a new series, and this does kind of appeal to a slightly different demographic than what a lot of the Anita Blake and Meredith Gentry books did. Uh, that's fair, and I haven't read any of her other stuff. Have you, Nick? Uh, I'm I'm familiar with Anita Blake. I think it was a comic for a little bit. They did do a comic of it. They did do a comic, and I think that's where I know it, but I don't know if that was written by her. It was based off of her guilty play. But it was based off of Neil Blake. And I, I think I have a few of them somewhere in my long boxes. But um, really, the synopsis should be, if you like the Dresden Files and you like John Constantine, check this shit out. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you're the PR person for Anita Blake, you know, Nick would like his royalties for that. Uh, and you, you're happy to use it. So, right, so so this is the part where we talk about the cover. You're not going to ask if I've read Anita Blake before? Oh, I know, know you you've read Anita Blake. You read it. Yeah, I've read everything. It. I don't know what you're talking about. I've read Anita Blake. I've read a Meredith Gentry. You're like Actually, Doctor Strange in the Sanctum Santorum, just like nothing but like sci-fi fantasy and like horror shit just floating around. And we we don't really dive into the reviews other people have written because you know we we don't care about other people. We care about ourselves, right? That sounds terrific. <laughs> but uh, no jokes right. aside, one of the the complaints that you'll see in this book is for people that did like the. Um, more lurid nature of some of her other books, they were disappointed that this novel did not have that. That there wasn't a whole lot of sex in the book. You know what? I do Except think... Except for the rape, which they didn't go into detail. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really liked about it, it Laurel, Laurel K. Hamilton will never go into that. She has point blank said in interviews when somebody asked her at a convention and she goes, no, I don't write that. No. And um, I mean, she was polite, but she was very firm about it. And I agreed with her. And she go, but um, I what I really liked about it, I've I've read, I've been reading Anita Blake since I was in high school. Which, if anybody has been reading Anita the Anita Blake stuff in the last like 10, 15 years, that may scandalize you. However, these um, the, the early books. Are softer well the really early but the early books were not it wasn't until about like book five or six where things started getting um more oh, than yeah. just tension spicy yeah more spicy than that and honestly this kind of reminded me of that and i liked it because of that i don't always want that in my books and i i have to say that the ones, the writers that did the comic book, because I, I never read the Anita Blake novels, but maybe I should because I did enjoy this book. Um, but I could see the similarities in between these two books and the style in which they were written. It's like, okay, we didn't need the spicy stuff, you know, because like in comic books, they're not going to put the spicy stuff in there because it's not going to sell, you know, because you've yeah. niched your market. Um, so there was the, I don't know, suggestion of spicy stuff, but like like in the comic, but we didn't have to go into it because it really didn't add anything else to the story, you know, other than, you know, if you wanted to show like, oh, this guy's really passionate about whoever, you know, you, you, it, it wasn't needed and what, and thank God it wasn't in there because yeah, there, there was enough enough going in there with the world building. Um, Before we talk but, about world building, because that comes up later, you want to talk about the cover? 
Uh, show me the cover. All right. We are going to put the cover up. So this is an ad copy I found, but it's the clearest image of the cover I could get that would show on the screen because otherwise it got really pixelated. But if you look at the screen, uh, the side on the left is the actual cover. So uh, it's Nick, since you're the art man. It's very Michael Crichton. It yeah. is. And it's freaking lame. It is, it is been done to freaking death. Like, oh, okay, it's the silhouette of our, you know, our protagonist, and we'll put a shadow of whatever he's fighting in the background. You know, it's it's lame, it's overdone, it's old hat. So uh, the shadow, I took it to be like his guardian angel that, that comes up in the story. Who obviously uh, drinks. Really, right. Uh, if, if I was guarding him, I might drink a lot too, just, you know. Oh, because Daniel gets himself into some shit. All right, so, Doc, did you like the cover? Um... I does not strike me as really in an, a uh, Laurel K. Hamilton cover. Uh, it really, I feel like it's more like a, um, a Michael Crichton. I can see that type lit fiction, modern interpretation. It's not bad. It is a very different. Bad. If you look at this and you look at every other title that Hamilton has, you will know immediately that this is in a very different vein. And so if you're trying to signal visually to somebody, to a reader, this book is not Anita Blake. It's not Meredith Gentry. It's a something else. Then that, then they definitely succeeded. I think they phoned it in. Whoever did the artwork or whoever. I don't think they phoned it, it in. I just oh, don't think. Oh, they definitely phoned in. <laughs> I just don't think it was very urban fantasy. I've so, seen, I would I would skip this book if I just based on the cover. See, I, I would put this book was, just based off the cover next to like Michael Crichton. Well, and if Tom you didn't Hansen. know who Laurel K. Hamilton was, and then you're under arrest. Then, well, besides that, but let's <laughs> say you're a 13 year old kid, you don't know who you know, and you see this cover, and you you're into that kind of stuff. Her her name is the biggest. So it's really, I'm selling my name. Please buy my book. So you're saying the big issue, big issue with the topography for you is the fact that the biggest thing in there is her title. Like if it, you were to it go does nothing to draw you, attention, like, you went, you just looked at half of the book cover and you went, okay, the title must be the biggest part, the biggest font. Then yeah, I guess I, I can see your problem with that. Well, it's, if you're if you're marketing something, I mean, yeah, she she's a name. People should know who she is. But if you've got that young reader, that reader that just been living under a rock and doesn't really know. I mean, 20 something year olds really don't know much about reading. Everything's on the screen. When you, you know? say that part of me dies, even in, only because I can't argue with you. Right. You know, so they're, they're selling the name and that's what they're banking on. But any marketing strategist is going to tell you that it, you have to sell to the common, the, the lowest common denominator, people that don't know who you are, you know, especially if you're starting a new series, because this is my, where they discover you, you know? So you need something a little, I wouldn't say flashier, but you need something that kind of like throws a little bit more about what the book's about. It's like, okay, someone's going to look at it like, all right, so he's got a guardian angel following him, you know, but really all they see is the, is the name of the author. Yeah. Well, I then, kind of also, you know that scene in um, Lucifer where they ha they have Lucifer, the actor there, and then you see the silhouette of Lucifer, the angel behind him. 
that mm. kind of reminds me of it. I didn't necessarily get Guardian Angel. I got Angel in Disguise more off of it. Uh, no, I can see that too. Uh, see, the, because the point look, is, he's, is holding, it, he's holding his weapon. So is the right. Angel. And the Angel's holding the same weapon he is. No, I can see your point, and but my point stands. It's still, it's kind of confusing to anybody walking by on a bookshelf in Barnes and Noble and see that and be like, "Oh, well, that's not really my thing," even though it could be their thing. You know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I I thought the cover was boring. I tend not to like a lot of the trad pub. But covers. you could I, see all the colors. I could see all the colors, but I do think a lot of the the trad pub. Well, some of the trad pub covers, because the ones that I notice are because they're like that. They have that artsy fartsy feel to it like it's trying to take itself too seriously and right. if i was like we read this book because you wanted us to doc if i had looked at and thank you i mean it, it, was, it was a good book right but if i had just looked at the cover i wouldn't have taken the time to read the back of the book oh yeah if i, I mean, had I read the back of the book i wouldn't have made me read the book except for we were doing this for you because you've put up with a lot of our book reviews that of stuff we liked in the past well, you guys um, put up with my drunken shenanigans, so I'm pretty much on right, for but, like the next 20 years, like the IRS. <laughs> but like, I, I'm glad we read it, but I, I like would not have. Comparison. I would not have read it based on the book description, and I would not have read it based on the cover. They would not have grabbed me. I have, I'm probably not her target audience. I tend not to do like the paranormal and all the but I think style stuff. I think that's her my target that's my audience, jam, baby. On this one has really changed in some ways from where she's normally been, which I think is why they were trying to go for something just so different from her other series style book covers. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she merges like those three characters into like you find out they're in the same universe. No, they're not. The, the, so. They've already the paradigm is just too different. And the world building, if you're familiar with her other series, is just well, yeah. Different. Anita Blake's like vampires and stuff like that, right? Yeah, Anita Blake's vampires and zombies are real, and werewolves are real. Right. Our, our we, classic universals are real. And Meredith Gentry's all about the face. So, See, so I, I think I think well, it's I mean, if anything, I'm probably gonna start reading some of, of the other characters. So to, <laughs> to be fair, though, we don't know that zombies and werewolves and vampires aren't in this universe. I mean, angels are. So it stands to reason other magical creatures could be. The Baba Yaga also exists in this universe. Right. Yeah. Which I thought I was kind of cool. Maybe would have been yeah, I had, to re I, I had to go back and I'm like, did I just read that? Yeah. And we'll <laughs> like, see. We what? read this. After... Steel Claws? What? And I'm like. We had back. planned on doing this before we did the Servants of War interview. But then Larry Correa mentions it. And he mentioned the Baba Yaga. For his book so when i heard it mentioned this one I'm like wait what so it caught my attention yeah. so but um i mean so i really anything? what i was just you got anything else on the cover before we move on or are you good now let's move on direct the ship all right so next is the part of the uh review we've got the characters so first the main character was detective zaniel havelock who's a la detective on a supernatural unit of the lapd um so what did you think of Zaniel, the main character? And we'll start with you since you were just talking, Doc. I really liked it. I thought it was a very different main character for Laurel K. Hamilton. She normally goes with female characters as yeah. the main characters. I mean, she has done some uh, novellas focusing on Rafe and um, different characters in her series that are male. I like Micah. Um I think Rafe may have been the wrong name, but um, 
but so she's done some male POVs, but this is a really dedicated, when you do it, a novella versus a full on book, it is a big dedication to writing from that male POV. Um, I, I really did like that. It didn't feel like a male version of Anita or a male version of Meredith. Uh, it felt like Zaniel Havelock is him separate from everybody else. And I, I really enjoyed it because I, I've seen sometimes where authors get really used to kind of writing that same main character or, and right. they just kind of like, well, let's just attach boobs to it and then we're good. And that's a female or just the opposite aspect of it. And I think she did a really good job of making it so that he's a, he's a good guy. He's respectful of women, but he hasn't, he doesn't demean himself to be respectful. And which I think is great because I think she definitely Laurel's been very good in her other series about making sure that she's not she has strong women, but she doesn't have strong women because of a lack of strong men. And so this time she flipped the script on it on herself by choice. Oh, and that's that's very good for a writer to do that. That, that takes skill and talent and it definitely takes experience. So what did you think of the main character, uh, Nick? Um, I thought he was really relatable, especially to me. Um, so you got this law enforcement guy, he's, he's on his second marriage. It's kind of on the rocks, you know, um, is the army vet. He's an army vet. I mean, this, this dude spoke to me, you know, um, I am on my second marriage. It is not on the rocks. So that's where and you are an army vet and I am an army vet. So me and Daniel, that's where we kind of separate, but we're, but we both do law enforcement. His is definitely a little bit more spicy than mine. Um, Wait, wait, wait! You don't arrest angels at the border, uh, or I mean, their demons? their name is Angel, Angel, and it's pronounced Angel. But yeah, okay. um, so well, I guess that way. Yeah, I, I guess I do your, arrest. Is angels your at the is border. your chief a voodoo prince? No, not not that I know of. No, it's but but he is, he he is the border patrol version of a spicy boy. So, um, <laughs> so I guess you could you could say he's got some sort of medical magic. Um, or tactical magic, but no, okay. like I, I like the character. I like I saw a lot of myself in him, and when he was talking about things, especially like that, really, God, it was like two or three chapters of him in like family counseling, and I was just like, I've been there, I've been there, bro. Yeah, uh, I, I think those. All those you think about is the chapters. job, and it's like, yeah, I just. He's like, I just had to leave a case. And I'm over thinking, I'm like, it's about the time that I like pulled like a six-year-old girl out of the river. And Yeah, know. no, it's, it's, she did, I think, a really good job. I thought it was interesting for her to do a veteran. Laurel is not a veteran. She knows a bunch. She's, uh, she I did definitely, research, that's for sure. Well, I would say from having uh, read her other stuff and having met her, she's very respectful of the fact that, uh, of the service people do in the military. Yeah. So. And she yeah. definitely. Like I, I, I enjoy are, the character. There's really no other way to, to, I can't go more in a deep dive on it. Cause I, there's other segments we're going to talk about, but uh, Daniel was a very relatable character. Um, he, he's a typical guy. You know, every time he I sees a girl, it's a, a character. It was nice to see in, in urban fantasy. I so, see. I, I, I'm unfamiliar with the genre. This is my introduction to it. Oh, uh, fantasy is like 
Yeah, me too. Is very female oriented, main character wise. Um, but I think it, he was just fresh. It was nice seeing a vet who, you know, isn't necessarily totally broken, but not totally all together. You know, he's still human. yeah. Like, but, but like, hold on. Um, in, in all fairness, he went into the army broken. Broke the army is what saved him. Yeah, because of uh, okay. You put the, that on your poster. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I would say that for me, um, at first, I really didn't like him. He seemed like every trope of the homeschool kid who's not very social, like what you heard about in the 1980s and 90s about the idea of homeschooling. Obviously, people have different ideas on homeschooling now, so we're not getting into the, the politics of that. But just the trope that you heard in the 80s and 90s of the kids that were Yeah, but his homeschooling was a lot different than our, than anybody Well, else. right. But, but I mean, <laughs> that was nothing like COVID homeschooling, man. Right. But he had that... Um, he had that vibe of like, he didn't really have the social norms. He went out of his way to talk about things in an uncomfortable manner. I, I will say it did give the author or authoress uh, room to, to explore certain social topics. Now I thought author was gender neutral. I don't know. I was uh, trying, I mean, to be, trying to be, trying to be weird. I'm pretty sure gender neutral. Authoress, that sounds really weird. <laughs> all right. I was just making it up and seeing if it sticks. All right. No, no. Take that shit off the wall, bro. All right. All right. So, <laughs> Like you said, at first I didn't like him, but he sort of grew on me the deeper into the novel we get. Uh, the marital angst that uh, that Nick related to felt like a pain in the butt. Like it felt like it was overdone to me. And the, uh, those were like really, the longest chapters of the book. Man. Yeah, and it was really uncomfortable to listen to. And I'm like, mm, dude's got problems. Like maybe he should stop the police force long enough to uh, to go save that marriage. Having no, said that, but he had a valid point in that counseling session. Well, you don't make enough to cover us both because. I don't make enough to cover us both. Right. So I so, stop to stay home with little Sean Connery. Like, whatever they name him. Okay. We're, we're touching on something that as a female, because for those who don't know who are just tuning in, I was both a soldier and then I was an army wife. I have time. a, yeah. I, yeah. And, 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 and afterwards too, you know, I stayed married to him after I got out <laughs> and, um, but one of the things that drives me nuts, both as a soldier and as a as a female who has been married, is when you are married to somebody who is already doing that kind of a job, cop, soldier, fireman, EMT, um, hospital worker, nurse, those kind of jobs, and you marry it, you already know the deal because, and, and, and I totally understand women who say, or it's men who say, Lord knows, every guy I, who's ever dated me was like, I like strong women. They're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I mistake. Pump the brakes. Let me off the ride. So sometimes you get in over your head, but it's not fair to ask that person to change. Because right. all of these are jobs where um, there's an innate part of who you are that draws you into doing that. And yeah. It's not fair to to date somebody who's already doing that and already found their path to answer that call in them to do something more gr greater to help the community to then ask them to change who they are on that yeah. because it, it's not these are not jobs that are just nine to five jobs, which is part of why people don't like being married to people doing these jobs, but it's also why they do those jobs. So it, it's a big pet peeve of mine yeah, in relationships. It's, it's, 
you married somebody that has this instinct in them to run towards danger. So, but it's um, not just run towards danger, but it's to help and run towards danger. Okay, I mean, we'll throw that in there. I, I just thought that was all. That's willing to stand there and hold the line. Yeah, just it, someone who's willing hmm? to either run into a burning building or run towards gunfire or run towards, you know, a medical emergency after, you know, violent acts. Yeah, there, there's, I just, I, I generalize it as run towards danger because it's, or run towards the unknown. I, I guess that's probably a better way to classify yeah. it. Um, running towards the unknown. So it's also, you can tell by that those people are just naturally um they're not risk adverse people they don't they they'll calculate the risk to themselves and to everything else and then they're like all right cool if it's within the variance then they're like all right i'm gonna do this you know and a lot of people can't handle that um when, when you're dating or you know or if you already like my previous marriage totally fine with me jumping out of airplanes and running towards combat running towards gunfire but like border patrol stuff that that seemed to put a monkey wrench in things. So it's like, okay. <laughs> I will say this one in, in defense of that. And we've talked offline. This is the only defense I will give is it's different to worry about it every single day than just worry about it for nine months or 12 months or 15 months consecutively. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, like, I, I, I will say that one, you know, my insurance uh, is paid. So like if, if, if something happens to me, I mean, you you hit the jackpot. That is you hit the, so you hit the not lottery. the point. So not the it point. was the point that's for the her. Humor, <laughs> that's the gallows humor we we live with when we choose that path, and that's the one thing that makes people in the combat arms a little different. Like it's one thing to say, okay, we're training to go to the range, which fits this, the the review because this fits Zaniel's character. It's quite another to say my one and only mission in a combat zone is to pull people out of dangerous positions by putting myself in front of them. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's a whole nother mindset. Like the idea of, well, you know, I may go to war, but I'm just a cook. I'm just a clerk. I'm just a truck driver. Well, your job, what is it? Well, you used to drive trucks and fight war, but to drive trucks when you're an infantryman or in this case, a detective fighting demons, it's what's your job to fight. What do you do? We kill the bad guys. And that, that changes the way your mind processes or things. banish them it, or banish it, them like or, or whatever. You know, I so, always looked at it like this. It's yeah, I have a weapon, but overall, I'm a shield. You yeah, know, my my job is defense. Right, you know, and you're, I have you're a speaking, weapon to protect myself. You're speaking now as a cop, and I I was answering just from my experience in the army. But you're right. Well, even then, too, is it like is yeah, a, I, I was a really spiky shield in the army, <laughs> but <laughs> okay. You know, but I, at, at the end of the day, we were still shields. Our 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 jobs were to protect innocents. Yes. Whether it's our crew, our, our teammates, our, our battle buddies, whatever. I mean, we're still a spiky shield. We just happen to have a really cool offensive weapon and a, and a whole lot of them. And okay. a whole lot of caffeine and hate and, and rippets to, to keep us going. So, and Copenhagen. I don't know. Copenhagen. Can I say that? On, can I say that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. I used to. Uh, uh, cool. Well, anyway, uh, so you got a time limit, so we're going we're gonna to keep moving. So I, I will say that for me, the, the marriage counseling felt that do I, don't I, it felt a little drawn out. Uh, I don't know I if we're being entirely honest. Uh, if we weren't reading the first book and knowing we've got years maybe before we get the next one. Um, so you kind of had to treat this as a standalone. If we knew book two was out and we were going to read that next, maybe it wouldn't have felt that bad because the psychological effect of knowing, hey, the next book is right there. Okay, well, it's just world building, right? But knowing that we have yeah. to wait, I think that changes the, the, the way as a reader you view a book. 
but I think also is still very true to how Anita, how she, how, how Anita she writes Laurel. in the, and you can see it in the Anita Blake series, particularly where she talks. There is a lot of personal feely stuff in it, which I know, Jr. You write Mill SF, which normally does not have to do with touchy feely, human gross, sticky emotions. Tyrus did nothing no. wrong. Yeah, and so what we do in, in Mill SF is we just send freedom seeds out to liberate everybody right. uh, from our pew pew sticks, and, and we rock on. But so speaking of of uh, touchy feely stuff, well, let's talk about the characters' growth and development. So, do you feel like there was any growth or or you know maturity of the character from start to finish of this novel, Nick? Um, yes and no. All right. So personally, and how he's doing is with his relationship. And that seemed to be kind of like a really underlying theme here because he's obsessed with Reggie or not obsessed, but like, he doesn't want to get divorced. He wants his stuff to work. You know um, he's, he's thinking about that. There is growth there on a, a relationship, personal relationship level <coughs> and how he evaluates his relationship and how he could probably just be better. So there is growth there growth as far as the rest of the book, there's really not much growth. He's kind of jaded and, so very noir in that respect. Yeah, it's it, it's very like when I was reading it, I'm I'm just seeing like rain all the time and everything's yes. lit and there's neon everywhere on the yeah, outside. Yeah, I mean it it has a very you know, and I Ooh. like that stuff. So it jammed yeah. with me. You know, no, I, I yeah, I know. I I know that you're saying that and you're saying these in in very loving tones for you. <laughs> so, um, but I re I think that there's a lot. I think. Reggie shows some growth in that you know, she starts to accept that, you know, this is who she married and, mm -hmm. and he's still like, he hasn't changed. And, and I do understand that, you know, I have a kid, I get that as a woman, both hormonally and brain wise, how we view the world changes once we have that child, right? It's supposed to happen like that. Lord knows yeah. I railed against it, but it is supposed to happen like that. It is normal. It is not weird. At least that's what my therapist told me. <laughs> well, I, I think when it comes to Daniel, I, I, I think his only his only growth, because as a human being as a whole, he didn't grow. Like when you read a book, especially no, everything's kind of like based on a hero's journey. So it's is the character better at the end than he was in the beginning? I uh, think, yeah, no. I think, yes, I think it's and the, no. I think if, that the, if, if the point was the work life balance, which he figures out towards the end, he's like, yeah, maybe I, I can do that a little better. I mean, if we're going to count that as growth, then yeah, he did grow as a character. But I think that honestly, because I mean, bear in mind, this is a, the entire, the book doesn't take place over weeks, it takes no, place over like, like a week, maybe a couple like, of days, like four or five. Week. Yeah, um, like, uh, like Banker's Week. <laughs> yeah, which is very Laurel K. Hamilton. She will do these intense weeks. And it's like, ooh, that would be ex emotionally exhausting to be one of her characters. It, 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 and um, reading it, it was like an episode of 24. Yeah, like no. It definitely stuff. has that action-packed feel of you're going, you're going, you're going. There's not a lot of slowdown. And even yeah. when you think you're slow down, slowing down, you're really not. Like the hospital scene. It's um, like, okay, he's going to go check on his partner. No, shit's about no, to go crazy. <laughs> no, but but I think that Zaniel had a lot of growth. And it's hard to talk about some of his growth, about how he perceives the world. 
without giving away any spoilers. And I'm trying to keep it spoiler free, but how he views the relationship between people and angels and the college of angels and how they treated the people there. Really? He has some very paradigm shaking moments. Like his off air. Like what? That, happened the, that didn't happen on screen almost. That was the, the setup already established. No, 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 no. no. When you get it. into the entire stuff about the um, spirit animal. He had some like what flash? I don't know if you would call them flashbacks, but he there like, are some. He would there have, are a couple flashback scenes. A lot of it was have, recollection of his time at the. Uh, yeah. What the hell was the name of that school? College, College of Angels. Angels. College of Angels. So. <laughs> it's so, so simple, but, yet I forget it. Like I forgot I Reggie's mean, name. Kept calling her Richie. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, like, if you pay attention to Laura, and maybe it's because I'm familiar with her work, where she can build things from small things in one novel to being okay. And then like, it'll go into floating in the background and two novels later, you're like, Oh my goodness. No, that thing that happened in like two books she ago. She uses a lot of callbacks. She, she can, but she's also really good at layering and building for later, later free. Well, and that, that's what this book felt like it. And um, um, like, there's a lot of stuff with the college of angels and particularly about spirit guides. And I, I mean, I loved the fact that she really did bring in, she, like, we, we keep talking about angels, but this is not a Christian only book. No, they're, they're just using it, it as, a, as a plot point. It, no, it, it, it is a plot point. It's a good plot point, but it's not a Christian only book. It's, we have Wiccans in there. We have um, voodoo priests in there. And they're good characters. They're not the stereotypical of that that people no. are going to come in and think. No, his lieutenant was badass, dude. I, I, as usual, I ended up liking some of. I actually, I loved some of her minor characters or non main characters. Support, support characters. The support characters way more than than Havelock. Like Havelock was cool. I like yeah, Havelock. But- He's the but, focal point of the story, but is he the story? No, it's 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 the like, supporting characters. His lieutenant, like I'm like, give me some, give me, some, give me some more of that guy because he's yeah, cool. um, the same. Probably not in the same way as Cisco wants, but uh, no, I don't like him like that. But I really want to know his story. Oh, there, there was so much um, potential for like you could do like prequels to this, you know, as yeah. it's rocking and rolling. But I mean, Laurel does make characters that are fully fledged characters, even for your your your. Yeah, they they weren't just sexy lampshades, characters. you know. Yeah, they 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 actually they they contributed so, to the, the and, movie the plot and and so much noir. Those other characters, the supplemental characters, become lampshades, and here they're not. No, it's, no, they are they are active participants in this world. Yeah, and I, I think that was really cool, and it was really well done. So, I think yes, I actually read the book. I didn't just read the synopsis. I know, no, I'm no, so no. proud of you. So, I didn't really feel like we saw a lot of growth in him, per se, as a character. He seemed pretty close to where he started. Yeah. Um, I, I guess if you get a little too philosophical, you can see some growth. I, I, I see the point. You really have to dig for it, JR. She really, yeah, it's, not, it's not on the nose kind of thing. Right. Um, but this does feel like... Um, don't let that get out. They might take away our blue cord. Um, if, if you're listening, she's she's got the scroll bar at the bottom that says Grunts can read. 
but <laughs> but while I didn't feel like there was any growth and normally I would say that's a negative, it would be a ding on the book because this feels like the book serves as the start of something more. Yeah, I can forgive that. Uh, it, and, and I really feel like we wouldn't have even noticed that probably if we had the whole series to binge read. We'd have been like, yeah. of course it was growth because you're going to have the benefit of hindsight. But as a standalone book, because the second book isn't out yet, it, it just didn't feel like it. And that, that sort of resonates with a lot of my complaints. It feels like if there was more already there in the form of the next book, then, you know, maybe I would have been okay with it, which, you know, that's a preference choice. How much latitude are you going to give an author book to book based on because it's a series versus... I don't know. Is you that, Cisco, you've read a lot of her other passwords. Is that is that common where um, the development takes place not so much in the first book, but like in the... Re the the second and third or continuing book? Well, I think that because she does come into it with the perspective of building a whole world and she's not like, even though this is urban fantasy, she doesn't rely. She actually like does build the world. She doesn't just go, Oh, we're just going to tweak this one little thing. And then it's all going to be good. So she still does some stuff where she, you, ex she has to explain it. So I think I really enjoyed it, but I do think you're going to see more less world building and more of the plot and character development. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because it seemed like so, this book was major. The majority of this book was the world building. Yeah, like, there's a this is this is the world you've stepped into. We'll deal yeah. with the characters as we move forward, but, but she, you really need she, to understand the world. She really awesome, yeah. With her books, this one really had in some ways so a lot more world building than like uh guilty pleasures book one of the Anita Blake series, and a bit more than um the Meredith Gentry, um, I think Touch of Darkness, maybe the first one, uh, or I don't don't quote me on that because I'm sure I'm messing it up. I don't quote you because I always <laughs> screw that up and then you throw it back at me. Like that's I not what I said. Because I'm the ex-wife you never wanted to have. <laughs> Thank God right, so I dodged that landmine. <laughs> so before before this becomes the uh, the blasters and but, therapy, but no, but I think she definitely is building this, and I think. What JR is talking about, and JR is used to definitely reading um, more indie books that publish at a much faster rate than traditional publishing, is she is already knows. Uh, yeah, but I guarantee you, she already knows that she has at least two to three books when she wrote this in outlined. Like, yeah, I guarantee she, you. I'm sure she had like wrote. a three, four book deal before she even yeah, put a pen to Because, paper. I mean, Meredith Gentry is over 20 books. Not Meredith Gentry. Sorry, Anita Blake is over twenty books. Meredith oh, Gentry is close to ten. So I mean, you she's she knows she has the time and the ability and the audience to build a world in her world building. Right. And um, but I think a lot of book ones, even when you read them in like the Messenger series with Terry Maggart, um. I'm blinking right now. A lot of them have a lot more world building. You just don't notice it because you can binge from one book to the next book much more quickly. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's, so that's reasonable. Because we do have a time limit and we're already 43 minutes in. Uh, apparently, Nick has a social life. So, what's that like? What? That but, was uh, not authorized. Right? No, you authorized it like six months ago. 
Oh, oops. So were it, there any? It other... wasn't a leave request. It was leave awareness. Awareness. <laughs> I was letting you know that I was going to be doing this. So. so, so were there any other main characters that you felt like in this novel? Uh, or just a so I'm so uh, bad with names. I I think there were Go to commercial. <laughs> no, that's that's after we finish this question. But uh, I felt like there weren't any other main characters. There were just a passel of secondary characters, and by passel, I mean metric button. Like, there's yeah, a lot of uh, people to follow. There, there was a lot of them, and I, I like the only one I remember is like his partner who fainted. Um, I can't remember his name. Oh yeah, the it's one funny. that opens in the hospital scene where where he passes. Yeah, out. and he's just like super happy and just like. Uh, what did he call it? He had a name Blissed for it. Oh, dude, I love that out. one. I thought it was hilarious. What was it called? Bliss what? Blissed, Blissed out. out. Because he yeah. saw Blissed the uh, out. Yeah. Because he saw the angel. That's sort of in the opening, so I'm not like we're spoiling anything with that. But uh, like, so there were a lot of secondary characters in the form of people at the College of Angels, the people yeah. on the police staff with him, and then of course the, the bad guy uh, for this book. Um, so I, I feel like there were a lot of secondary, almost too many to name. Um, yeah. But I feel like there were a lot of secondary characters that could raise, you know, in prominence as the series goes on. But I didn't feel like there were any other main characters for this book. What do you think, Doc? I think when it comes to this book, that Xeniel really was the main character. And she took the time to make sure that he was the main character as well as she took the time definitely in the character building of the other characters. So they're definitely flushed out. And... Um, and I think she will definitely be bringing in more. I I really, as a secondary character, even though I'm spacing on his name, his his friend from like my favorites were probably the priestess who also is a detective and his college buddy who is yeah the lesbian one. No, not that's not what I meant. I like was her name oh. Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, Leslie, not Leslie. <laughs> Sorry, Freud was right. Um, yeah, but she was bi though, because she had a ex-husband and an ex-wife. Yeah, but that character Very modern. was so old. No, no, I'm talking about the one who only had the wife. No, she okay. had an ex-husband too. And Jamie was the former classmate that you were talking about from the college. Yeah. Yeah, Jamie. No, see, he this is I, I listened to it on audiobook and I really am kicking my butt because I really should have just gone in the book also so that I could write the notes. <laughs> All right. So before well, we move on okay. and insert a commercial, was there anything else you wanted to say about the, the main characters or character? Um, I, I like him. I, I I really am interesting to see where he goes. Like what's next? What's next for Daniel? All right. So at that, uh, that with that being said, we're going to take a moment, uh, almost an hour in, where we're going to pause and we're going to shamelessly shill for the man. Oh, I love shilling. In a world where magic is controlled by law and government, mages are both coddled and persecuted. Corey Monroe knows she isn't a mage, and her best friend is. Reality isn't always what you know. If you are looking for an urban fantasy with found family, an education-based magic system, and evolving storylines, try My Luck by Mel Todd, book one in the Twisted Luck series, available exclusively on Amazon. All right, thank you for sticking with us for that commercial interlude. And uh, we're back, as uh, as Nick said, he loves to show for the man. 
And so, so we did. And Yay, we're back, capitalism. And, woo, and we're talking about Laurel K. Hamilton's A Terrible Fall of Angels. Now we're going to dive into the plot. So, uh, Nick, since I'm going to put you on the spot, do you, did you, uh, what did you think of the plot overall? Uh, I mean, overall, it was pretty good. I can kind of see where she's going. Um, the ending, eh. Uh, I, like, I was... I was left uh, wanting more, but also like, really, this is how you ended it. I, like, I feel I, that one. I, I just, I wasn't too thrilled with the ending. Um, yes, I know you have like a 37 book deal, but Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're doing like, even as a comic book writer, <laughs> I know that after you've solved all the problems from one issue, you still have to leave a couple of problems open, but there has to be like a definitive end, you know, burning up the demon with, summoned hellfire or angel fire or whatever eh. and the, the, the one thing i didn't like is you would think because this is a cop story that it's going to be episodic where every episode every book is a new crime and then there's the overarching this one we didn't even feel like we got a resolution for the first crime that started it with the uh the we, unspeakable yeah exactly that college student it's like well we knew who did it but they're like it, it had to be more than just the motive of the guy that he was inhabiting. Yeah. You know? um, I, I, I thought there was a lot of unanswered questions there. Hopefully that happens. They get answered the next book, but because it seems like that demon is probably going to come back. Yeah. Um, what about the, what about you doc for the, uh, for the plot? So story arc, was it action packed, easy to follow that sort of thing? I think it was easy to follow. I definitely felt the uh, presence of a larger story multi-book story arc in the in the novel yeah um which I, yeah i think that kind of left me with a feeling of okay yeah but we fixed that but what about this thing yeah what about this mcguffin that you didn't solve and, and um and that is just also because I've, I've been reading a lot of indie authors and i've gotten used to them publishing faster <laughs> Yeah, or or we're, like we're all spoiled with the indie books, or or you know, I I recently started a series, but the book was already on book eight. The series is already on book eighteen, so I didn't have to wait. By the time mm. I catch up, she'll be out with the next one. Thank God for Faith Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> okay, Faith Hunter is um your, one of your favorites. Oh, you're gonna make us read that too. You're gonna have to get her on the show at this point. You've gushed <laughs> enough. So uh, for me, this was your the She's plot. She's only been reading for two months. So for the plot, this was your sort of classic detective whodunit, which is why Nick is seeing the noir sort of feel. Listen here, see the Danes. Um, yeah, I'm not as He's good as looking at you, kid. I, I can't do the voices as well. Doc's about like to have a coronary. If you're listening, like she's shooting her wine out of her nose and her face is like blotchy and red and it's ugly people. She's ugly. I'll release it on YouTube. If you, if you want to see us make the faces and spit stuff out of our nose, there it is. But um, so this was, like I said, this was a mystery per se, but instead of the world, uh, but instead of the one mystery, which would be the murder that started it all, it almost seems like the world itself is the important mystery which while I get in an overarching plot sense, and again, if this was the series was more of it, if more of it was out when we read the first one, maybe that wouldn't, wouldn't be such a big deal. But like, I don't have any resolution for the plot that started it. And we obviously can't get resolution for the whole world because that's what's going to push the series forward. So that's well, where that you delineate the, the bad guy for the book and then the overarching. And we didn't get the over, we didn't, we got the overarching shown. We didn't get the minor 
murder i feel like satisfactory concluded right i, I mean I, we got a lot of answers right around like chapter 18 like in the hospital we got a lot of answers and then nothing I mean, it was just and, and then like, nothing like i like i was like oh man i've got through this book really quick and i was like oh no there's 20 more chapters and i'm like why <laughs> did i miss something in the beginning i really enjoyed it though i really enjoyed the plot well, so we will we will uh, no but it was kind of like a, it was like a false climax Yes. Right there in the mid book is like, I got to it. I'm like, oh man, this is the tension's high. Like I stopped drawing as I was listening to it. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, I'm like really into it. And then I was like, really? That's it. And so, then it kept going. I'm like, well, what else are they going to throw at us? Like, obviously we're going to amp the stakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, the stakes were not amped. <laughs> so this felt like it was all world building with not a lot of plot development to me. Uh, we didn't even, like I said, we didn't even get a clear resolution to that first mystery. The case centered around the murder rape of a college student, but then it gets weird and dark. I don't want to go too in depth on that because, again, we try to be as spoiler free as possible. Um, butler maybe, did it. Yeah, maybe the the butler with the uh, the candlestick in the laboratory. Uh, you maybe you candle or camel stick. Candlestick, you know, like the candles. Mystery, the mystery game we played as kids. Um, clue. clue yeah get a clue but uh the case so again the case got weird the crime was sort of yeah. like you get an idea he i think you mentioned in chapter 18 who did it but we don't get the satisfactory answer of why so you get almost like the cartoon villain now listen yeah kid which is okay to a point i, I did it because my host felt like doing it you know right oh, and man. actually that's one of the voices they did in the book which is kind of funny that you use that um oh, the narrator <laughs> yeah yeah but um like I said, maybe this is our, our gripes here largely are probably linked to the fact that this is book one of a long series, and the long series okay. isn't out yet. And, and, um, book, and two, two out of the three of us aren't familiar with the author's work, so there's we're probably looking at it from a different. Yeah, but so, any so, chance that an author is listening, I or Laurel is listening, I would much rather have the author take the time to write a good book than to just pump out books quickly. Fair, but good and quick don't have to be uh, antithetical. They're, they're not mutually exclusive of each other. I I understand, but I'm just saying I would rather have a good book than a no. And I get you. And if my questions are answered in book two of Zaniel Havelock, then I will I will apologize. I'm like, okay, that's where you're going, but you know it. You got to think about how today's society is. Everything's Bing, 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 Bing. It's it's yes, quite, the it's bing, bada bing, bada bing. Bing. you know where so, yeah the, the bada boom so for me mostly the plot seemed incidental to the world building and the inner monologues and oh my goodness there were a lot of inner monologues it did help us get to know the character but it, it almost felt like enough already um but again like we we've sort of hit on too much so we'll move on after this it was the director's cut of blade runner as far as internal monologue yes so but we talked about but i think internal monologues are big in urban fantasy and you guys well, and like, I, like I mentioned, I mentioned Blade Runner, which is an urban fantasy book. It is not an urban fantasy. It's a sci-fi book. It's urban Blade fantasy. Blade Runner and Vampires? It is not. It has it magical is. vampires. That's urban fantasy. You're, you're dealing with zombies. Blade Runner? Blade Runner, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking Blade? of Blade. Okay, okay. You're no, right. that's Blade. Dear God, why do I keep up no. with you two? Good thing you're entertaining. Urban. Okay, I'll tell you this. Urban fantasy slash sci-fi. Okay, so uh, we Blade sort of, Runner uh, is not fantasy; it is sci-fi. I said what I said. So, Drink. 
All right. So here's here's the deal for you, dear listener, if you're listening. Uh, as much as we're bickering, it's because we did enjoy the book. If we absolutely hated it, we're not going to do a review. There's too much negativity in the world. So if we don't have something yeah. uh, enlightening. And, and we don't want to do an hour of just pooping on somebody's hard or work. If you're an author who wants us to read your book, the bet and review it. The best way is to let us know and see if we can get well, JR needs somebody to read to him, so he really does need an audio. It's kindergarten all over again. School <laughs> circle. So, so all right, so let's move on. We talked about the the plot, and in the plot, we hinted at the world building. So let's talk about it. The world building and descriptions. Uh, do I need to refresh anybody's memory what that category, what the description is for everybody? Uh, basically how flushed out the world was did you buy it could you envision yourself there the good the bad and the ugly and the yes bad. yeah so because both... it was it was it was just like this freaking reality it just now we With we twists. know that angels and demons and some of these other like the baba yaga and who knows what else we're going to discover going out throughout the series these things are real you know and it's not focusing on zombies or werewolves or any of the like universal monster type stuff you know, so it, would be it's cool really, too. Oh, I mean, if you throw them all in there, I'd be a happy camper, dude. It's like, okay, I got angels, and now angels are fighting werewolves, and demons are fighting vampires, and Zaniel's like, I don't know what to do here. Um, that'd be cool. Um, but I, I do like these fantastical worlds, and they said it. Uh, she said it in such a way that, like, it, it's it's just normal for everybody. Like, you got the heaven and hell unit, and you know, it's like we we have specific task force within. And I'm sure there's probably something in the military too, but at least in the police force, you have some, you have an organization to deal with these types of crimes, you know? So I thought that was really cool. Um, it was a world that was really easy to kind of like set yourself into and be like, all right, I'm in, you know, cause she set it up so well in the beginning, like, and because I'm a huge dork for detective noir and it was set up perfectly for that. So like I said, like I'm, I'm a comic artist, so everything's visual in my head, even if I'm just reading it. You know, so as soon as I'm reading this stuff, I'm like, okay, neon, it's raining everywhere. Everybody's kind of soaked and wet and miserable and drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and, you know, calling each other Dame and Broad and whatever. You know, I it, it set me in real, real nice. And I was just like, okay, I'm in. So what about you, I, Doc? I really did enjoy the world building. Um, I really enjoyed the, also the fact that I mean we, as I said earlier we this book is focuses on angels and demons but there's just like in our world where Christianity is a dominant religion and there are still other religions within it within the world and she acknowledges all of those and how and gets into some of how they can interplay a little bit and um and I really, I really liked the world building that it, and it, that it wasn't just also, oh, well, only Christianity got it right, guys. So only Christianity is going to have angels and demons. No, she had, um, she talked about the, the, um, voodoo priest and how he has to deal with some of the things involving his religion and because of how spirituality works and the spirits realms, I guess, work and interact with our world in this universe and i thought it was really well done she definitely thought it all out which i thought was great uh i truly enjoyed the world building and um i think it would be a kind of a cool world to live in to be honest if i had to pick one 
I mean, so far there yes, are no vampires and no zombies, and I really do freak out about zombies. So you know, that's a plus. Unless life. the demons come and murder you and steal your body as a skin suit, like that wouldn't be cool. Well, I mean, just to be fair, well, I don't like zombies either. This is true. This is true. So this is very um, fire and brimstone kind of angels in this book, as they're described. It's not the floating on a cloud playing a musical harp. And you know, no, they are direct. They, they are Old Testament angels, bro. Yes, they are. Oh. They are fire and brimstone. It's like if because they stood between seven and nine feet tall. You know, and they all yeah. chose kind of white because that's kind of what we expect. They're not ranging. Yeah, they're not cherubs. Right. You know, so, these guys are menacing cold dick killers. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I don't think Laurel plays on that one. Yeah, yet. Not yet. It would be funny to see a cherub show up in this series, though. So, oh, uh, you know what? I could see if she listened to that going, oh, oh, I got you. I got uh, you. And, don't worry, and I'm I got totally you, okay I got with you. that. Yeah. So this is, for me, this is the part where Laurel really shines in the world building and descriptions. I've, I've, if you've read any of my book reviews on my website or heard any of the ones we've done when we were sci-fi shenanigans, and we've, we've re-aired the ones that, that this, uh, the audio wasn't corrupted, like the Starship Troopers, like I'm all about the descriptions. Like give me more Tolkien and less, you know, bubblegum pop. Like I, I'm not like knocking people that don't want a lot of descriptions. They want to read it like the There's fast. There's a paragraph summary. describing the wings. I but like, I like that. Like I, I no, like I, I dug it too because it, what I read plays a picture in my head. I don't know if a lot of readers do that. Um, that's up. Like if I read it, it's, it's, it's a movie in my head and I'm just like, there's quick cuts and angles and like just focusing on the wings and like pans. And, you know, I just, I thought it was cool. The, the descriptions of, and, and the length of descriptions too. So it gave me a lot of information to deal with. So but it, it it didn't feel Tolkien-esque in that it dragged on. It was like, okay, already we get no, it. Like, no, Laurel no, it was a couple of paragraphs, not five pages. Right. And create a picture using effective word use. So, uh, and I think that's where she really shined. I agree with you there. So she created an alternate version of reality where all the things magical and supernatural are real and involved in daily life and everybody is aware of them. That's one of the things Doc asks a lot when we interview authors doing urban fantasy kind of thing is, do people know about the magic? Because I guess that's a distinguishing factor. In this case, because they have their own police unit, obviously people are aware of the magic and such to the point where they even cited court cases in this the, from the fictional world, obviously, <laughs> where like if your body is uh, consumed or taken over by a demon and you murder someone, are you responsible because the demon did it? Or and, and basically the devil made me do it as a legitimate excuse. If you can. Yes. The, the I, I love this so hard. I was actually driving. Uh, I don't remember where I was going, but I literally, when they said that, I had to pull my car over because I was laughing so hard. Because you know anybody who's read enough crime novels or watched enough, you know, who done it on TV, like that's a, a or familiar with the cases of the the Warrens. Yeah. So like I, I liked that. Um, yeah, that was fun. Some of the world building seemed a little. Um, like it didn't seem like it had a point, but because I know this is the beginning of the series. Uh, and I know if I was an author that I would pepper things in, I'm going to guess that what seems inconsequential now is like, why are you saying that is going to come to later and you're going to be like, ah, okay. Now we well, know that's what Sissy was saying. She likes the, she loves the callbacks. She right. Likes well, I much rather later, so. prefer somebody pepper in their world building and some of the subtleties than have giant lectures in their books. 
I would say with the world building, building though, like it was spread out. It just like wasn't focused in a couple of chapters. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was, wasn't an info dump. It, it was paced well. Ha, so, look at me using jargon. And that would actually go back to the plot because we talk about pacing with the plot. So at least in that, you know, throwing back just a second, that would be something in the plot you thought she did right. Whether they, the pacing of the, the information. Yeah, the, the, the pacing building. was really good. Um, I um, mean, even now that I think about it, even the, uh, the uh, family counseling, I mean, yeah, it was dry and it was slow for us as the reader, especially if you've never experienced anything like that. I was like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, my God, I've been in that counseling session, you know. <laughs> so even that was paced right. Um, and it gives us a really good idea of the character and kind of what he's going to, through. Because he mentions those things um, earlier on, you know, and he's, it's like a big, dark secret for him. And then, you know, he finally like lets it out like, yeah, we're, we're going to family counseling and like his partners were like super supportive about it like oh man that's awesome i wish like my ex would have done that i think you know? that may have been a, a little bit more idealized than i would like but i would love for our world to be more like that oh yeah like i'm mentally screwed up i should see somebody about this yeah, but part of that is he, his it was from the POV, so we don't know if he's a reliable narrator. What we do know about him is he was raised in seclusion and what becomes defined by the universe characters from the outside looking in, that the kids that were sent to the College of Angels uh, were basically raised like they were in a cult. And that's not a dig at Christianity as a religion. The way she portrays it, it's a dig at the college. And so you don't know if that dig at the college is because maybe they got corrupted from their original mission. There's hints of that throughout the story. So it's so, not the organization, it's the curriculum. Right, and how they acquire people, and maybe it's like, you know, like, uh, I hate to use the Jedi when we're talking about religion. But oh my god, they, I was just thinking that. Dude, roll like, with it. Right, how they, uh, well, your baby has powers, you clearly can't control it, so we're going to take the baby from you, and, and we're going to hope you like it. Uh, and it sounds like it's almost like they don't have any choice, but as the story develops, and this is kind of a spoiler, but you meet people who have those powers, and their parents are like, not only no, but hell no. There's hints that a documentary was made about the college that sort of uh, has a Jim Jones approach, like the the like a deep dive into it, like all these cultists kind of thing. Without the Kool Aid drinking, without the Kool Aid drinking uh, or, that we know of. Again, you know, this is book one. Um, yeah. So, like, I really, like I said, I, if I was rating the uh, the plot, I'd probably give her a three, just because of it didn't seem like a lot happened. But if I was rating the world building, I'd ask for oh, a larger a number than. Yeah, I'd say five plus, but obviously I can't cheat. But the the world building was she was on par. Like I, I scribbled five some lightsabers. Five, five lightsabers. There we go. The Jedi approve. Uh, so does do we have? Anything I never claimed to, to be a Jedi, bro. Uh, okay, we're gonna go with it. I, I, I've seen some of your TikToks, but uh, do we have? <laughs> so do we have anything about the world building to add before we move on? I don't think there's anything else. I mean, um, uh, without getting into spoiler territory, bro. Fair. Um, Doc, do you it's awesome. I, you know, yep. I'll, I'll give a pre recommendation. Go pick this thing up. Give it yep. a read. So next, we're going to talk about the narrator. The, the narrator of this one is Holter Graham. Um, the The standard is is very subjective because what I don't like, you might like. I absolutely hate books where they put in like background noise, creaking chairs, this music of doom. Like that drives me batty. But I know we people who that love that either. crap. No, it didn't. I'm just using this as an example of how narration is such a subjective thing that we'll just try to describe what we liked about it and didn't. And then you're going to have to listen to the sample, dear listener. 
and make your your own decision. The great news is you can get the first what four or five minutes, generally speaking, as a sample, so you'll on, know on whether the uh, the narrator is you know nails on chalkboard or not for you. But Seska, what did you think of the narrator? I liked the narrator. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought he did a good job of conveying emotion without that emotion being so overwhelming that it uh, distracted from the ability to hear his words. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Um, he had a problem with consistency because he liked to use different types of tones and voices for the characters. And he had a problem with consistency. So there was times where he's, it's Zaniel speaking, but it sounds more like the demon speaking. Yeah. And I kind of had an issue with that. Um, Stabby listened to a little bit of it and she's like, I hate this guy. And she left. And uh, to, to be clear, she hated the narrator. She hated the narrator. No, not nothing about the book. She's like, I can't, I can't even listen to the words because I, I find this guy's voice annoying. I'm like, okay. and, that, and that's valid. There are some, some, People are rave about a narrator that I'm like, oh, it's like nails on. But his, like his voice was very, uh, if it's akin to Richard Dreyfus narrating um, Stand By Me, it, it sounded very similar. If yeah. you've ever seen that movie, yeah, um, I can see it that. It was very like, yeah, because Siska's young and she's never seen that movie. No, because Siska's a dork. How have you not seen? Never mind. We'll, we'll dig into that later. I was busy Maybe reading important we'll uh, books Blasters like uh, the Herald of Blades. Maybe we will do that uh, Blasters and Blades therapy hour because. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, it's not going to be tonight. But that—that's how I felt. Um, that's the <laughs> only issue I had with the narrator is that he would have inconsistencies in uh, the voices that he would use. Um, so it did get a little confusing in some parts because I'm like, well, who's talking? Is it Daniel? Is it this guy? Is it this guy? Um, but other than that, it was he had a very. It's not a voice that you're going to fall asleep to. You know, it's no, not monotone. Not it's not dry. You know, he it's put inflection in there. He put very, yeah, he put very, what? put a lot of Obviously, emotion. Shabby disagreed, it. but I, I didn't find his voice annoying. I, I think she caught it like during one of the, you know, conflicting voices. <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah, that's I right. don't know. I can't follow who's going on here. What's going on? So, so um, I thought, but overall, I think he did a really good job. Yeah, I, th I think overall he did a good job as well. Sometimes there were odd jumps in his enthusiasm level. Like one minute he's talking, you know, calm and steady at a certain part. And then for no reason that I can discern, he's like getting super happy in his voice, on his vocals. But it wasn't too distracting, which is going to lead. I'm going to continue. The next part of the, the review of the narration was, was he a good fit for the story? I think, and then I'll let you guys answer that he was, I think, because like I mentioned before, my only issues with the narration were more like post-production and technical. Um, there were multiple times where the tracks didn't seem to merge together quite right. So the, that was the jump in volume that we discussed. Almost yeah, like it made me think that uh, like there was something wrong with my device. Yeah, like, I thought that too until I listened to it on my phone and then my computer. And like I was seriously like doing some nerdy like looking to figure out what the heck was going on. but. Um, I don't even know, like, obviously as the narrator, he's responsible overall. I don't know how much of him as a narrator is being directed and how much he's working independently, which, you know, some of that stuff might be out of his control. I think um, I found that most of those problems were like during the short chapters that are only like a couple of minutes. Almost like they were cut stuff out, maybe. Yeah, like it, like it, it would do like this hard jump, you know? Yeah. And then um, I was like, okay, what the hell happened? And so I'm checking my phone. I'm like, wait, did I skip something? And then I, like, there was a couple of chapters that I listened to like two times 
to make sure that like i'm like am i, am I crazy no like nope that's just the way it is okay cool so um yeah so obviously we waited do you think he was a good fit for the for zanio yeah uh his zanio voice was good his uh his demon voice were good um the female voices obviously i mean could always use work for that but um the couple of the angel voices they sounded similar um, but wouldn't they in the within the canon of the universe where they're just so in this universe and I don't want to go too deep because it's spoilers but in this universe a lot of the supernatural appear in ways that humans expect them to appear because if they showed right. their full majesty or evil like it would warp our minds and so yeah some of we'd go crazy be, right so some of that sameness can be explained away by well of course they're the same because humans think of angels as the same right so I'm gonna cut yeah, that very stuff, very soft right. voice. Yeah, you're you're right in your catch, but there's an in in universe explanation, and we try to give the author the benefit of the doubt that they know what the heck they're doing with some of those decisions. So Obviously, yeah, she's written like fifty something books. Right. So, what about you, uh, Seska? Did you think the narrator was a good fit for Zaniel? Uh, I really liked his voice for Zaniel. I thought he did a good job with it. It definitely had almost at points that noir grit to his voice, and um. But, I mean, I I have a hearing issue, so I don't catch the subtleties that Nick does or you do in the narration. That's so. that's what I that's why I have a job here on the show. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, <laughs> he has a job to be the artsy of the fartsy. Yeah, but I can read, too. Yeah. So, Mama uh, Tom, so how? <laughs> uh, Adrian! Anyway, <laughs> I never learned to read. But uh, so that was the the narration. We we kind of you know we were okay with it. Again, that's such a subjective thing that I don't think we really need to beat a dead horse because even if we loved it, that doesn't mean you do, uh, dear listener. And that's that's. But I love knowledge. consistency too. So hopefully, he narrates the second book because if there's yeah. someone in there, it could be someone worse. I'm really like, God, I hate this book. <laughs> so the next part of the uh, the interview or the interview the review is we talk about some major themes. So the first major theme. Um, I felt like, and these, these came from us sort of together. And if you have different themes and you want to tell us about them in the comments, it's a great place to do it. But I thought the first major theme was found family. Uh, Nick, you had something to say about that in the pre-show. Can you, can you go on the work life balance part or. No, no, no. The, the found family that, uh, that Daniel has with both the police and his life outside of the college. Right. Um, Cause you got a guy that doesn't, um, like, does it really say he doesn't know his his real family? Yeah, uh, he was five or seven when they. Yeah, he, him he was he taken very them young them. to the college, right? Right, so he doesn't remember them much. So, and and I think this is where she nailed it. Um, the 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 military is a great example of that people that didn't have great families or they didn't know their family, they found the family within the organization that they had. Um, and I think she touched on that really well, without giving anything away. Um, so she she does have this family or she he has this family within his agency and also some of the friends that he made, you know, within the college, too. Um, yeah. Is that what I was talking about? Because I, I talk a lot of shit. <laughs> JR, you're muted. Uh, he muted his microphone and now he's gone. So um... that's what I was talking about, though, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, no, it is what you were talking about. All right, cool. So I definitely think that, um, you know, we also talked about some of that work life balance. Life balance that 
with once a nature of these kind of jobs, it is really right. hard to turn it off because particularly in the case of like a detective, as much as he's trying to turn it off so he can focus on his family, he, you know, he also understands that there are, there are family members waiting who can't turn it off because they're waiting on him. So, um, I thought that was a really well, I think that, uh, I think the unit did a really good job of kind of portraying a, a, the, a more perfect world that we would be nice to live in where, um, you know, but I think it also talked about how, um, with their unit put an emphasis on trying to maintain that home life balance because of some of what the intensity of what it is they do. I, I would uh, have to assume that the divorce rate is super high in that unit. Yeah. You're not just dealing with cops and robbers and, you know, rape. Well, I mean, the divorce rate stuff. among cops is pretty high. The divorce rate around veterans is. Well, let's it's just hot. say if I only it's have hot. one divorce, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of military who thought PCS meant permanent change of spouse instead of permanent change of station. Uh, yeah, so I, I get it. Um, so I think no, no, no. Uh, my my spouse just thought if you ETS out, you have to leave the spouse behind. Oh, okay, no, that's well, not how it works. You don't DX the wife. Yeah, don't worry. Well, you know, you can't get any the, better. That's the therapy. That's the therapy episode. But I think the main character <laughs> discovers. Yeah, he's found family after his fall from grace, the College of Angels. I do think that that's going to be an overarching theme. They hint at it a little bit. I feel like talking too much about that would be spoiler territory. I, but and I think it's probably one of the strongest themes of the book besides mental health. Yeah, but uh, the so found when, he family left the, aspect of it. when he left the College of Angels, mm -hmm. he really was alone in the world with no real identity. But he had these skill sets because while he was at the college, he was trained to speak to angels. But before that, before they knew that was his calling at the college, he was training to be one of the warriors uh, set, whatever, however they classify that. So Daniel this... was the perfect example of screw it, I'll join the military, which is the male version of I'll just be a stripper. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, I feel like he found his, himself through the army. And then when he left the army, like most people do, he said, man, I missed this crap. What was I thinking? And so there's a high proportion and I couldn't give you real numbers, but a large number of people that leave the military end up going into some form of law enforcement because that found family and all of that. Well, I, I think it's not it. just necessarily law enforcement. I think that there's a certain drive of that found family aspect in that community that what, you know, we want to leave behind the things we didn't like, but we still want to keep and honor the things we did have. Right. Yeah. I think a major aspect of it is the structure of it. We know if we, go into an agency organization that has similar structure in the military, like law enforcement, um, you're more than likely, at least that's what we're thinking, more likely to find people and build relationships like we had in the military. Because we're, yeah. we're, we're all bonded by the same fire, you know? So um, I think I think that's pretty much it with the found family, unless you guys want to elaborate before we talk about the mental health. Stuff. No, I, I think we beat that horse to death. Nope. All right, that poor horse. All right, yeah. so the next, the next. Come on, we ride it, Don. <laughs> the next theme that I saw was that mental health recovery. So, Seska, since you haven't talked recently, we're gonna put you on the spot. What do you think about that as a theme? Uh, I definitely thought it was a, both a very good theme, and she dealt with it from multiple angles. 
with um, one of the characters who kind of finds a, a recovery method for them. And it you as a reader, you're kind of looking at it and going, is, is this a snake oil sale? Or did it actually work? Or is it just it worked for that one person? As well as, you know, the mental health recovery, mental health, um, the baggage we as vets bring in to any, everybody brings baggage into a relationship, particularly a relationship when you're coming into it as an adult. Um, but I think as vets, we bring in a unique mix of baggage into it that um, she touches on it some without fixating too much on it, which I thought was good. Um, so it's it's definitely a theme. I think it's a theme that I've seen in some of her more recent works of being the, uh, trying to be more uh, mentally balanced. Okay. Yeah. Which I think, I think it's good. I think I'm tired of seeing the broke mentally messed up veteran everywhere. I like seeing a veteran who's going, Hey, look, I have issues. I'm working on them and I'm not going to apologize for my issues. And I'm not going to apologize for working on them. And I think that's some of what we need to see more. Well, yeah, um, there's a huge stigma, especially when it comes to males to just suck it up and drive on, you know, don't talk about your mental health. That was the big thing. You can't go see you know, the shrink because you're worried how it's going to affect your career. And it's like that law enforcement. Luckily that stigma is starting to go away. Um, what I really loved about this book is that it was very pro mental health and it was very supportive, even within the characters inside the book. They're like, Oh, you're going to counseling. That's really awesome. You know, that's, that's great. I wish I would have done that. Or I wish we would have done that when they're talking about their, their prior relationships. Um, it's not a stigma that we need to hold on to anymore. Like if you're broken, First step is admitting that you're broken. Second step, getting help. And then, like, you're going to work on it and you're going to slide. It's like walking up a muddy hill. You're going to take two steps forward and you're going to slide back one. It happens. And they illustrate that in the book. You know? So, yeah, mental health is is awesome. It's great. Keep yourself mentally healthy. This book is a big supporter of that type of um, ideology of, like, it's mm-hmm. it, uh, guys can go to shrinks, too. You know, go, go get your head looked at. Go go see the shrink doc. Go get your head looked at. Get yourself better. You so, did. And that's cool. <laughs> Airborne. Uh, so that's one of the things that, that, you know, stuck out in my time. So Nick and I, when we were in the Army in active duty in the early aughts, uh, it was like it was a career thing. If you if you admitted you were going to mental health counseling, like you you hid that much like a pro athlete might hide their steroid use. Right. Yeah. Uh, or I an ACL remember, tear. Right. I remember when as I was getting out, there were a bunch of people from the early war that were combat veterans coming home with PTSD. And rather than say, crap, war can cause PTSD, they said, oh, they all had pre-existing personality disorders that somehow just manifested right after going to combat. And they booted hundreds of people out, right? So I feel like for me, like this is always something I've been supportive of. We've talked about it, I think, a lot. I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but that's always been something the three of us have agreed on the, the value of. Absolutely. Uh, and I think she illustrates this through Zaniel's former classmate, Jamie. Uh, I can't remember his um, his angel name, but because of what he saw, you know, and how the angel stuff affected his mind, um, he sort of 
got what you know you would call schizophrenia, but it was uh, angelically brought on. Uh, his mind re- uh, broke as a result of his time at the college. And um, we get to see him recover with some assistance. Uh, it was a little bit of a fun journey to see. Um, and we also see it in the POV of some of the family members he made on the way in his found family, Jamie, the secondary character. I'd almost like a book about him. Like he could be his own star in, in a standalone or, or side novel. Like he was that flushed out. Um, so I really like that. Uh, and I found it especially moving because, you know, the scourge of mental health issues has cost me some of my friends um, and not just, you know, not just my veteran friends. So, like, I, I really dug how they portrayed it through Jamie, but they weren't like they weren't, you know, candy cane and, and sunshine and rainbows. Right. Like there was a time where the main character, Zaniel, was like, yeah, this guy's out of his cotton pick in mind right now. And he's not in a good place. So I'm not letting him near my kid, but I still love right. him and I'm still going to have him help him. And so on. Like it was a good balance of mental health helps, but it's not the cure all. And you still have to, you know, make your bones right with, with your situation. So, yeah, it was support without ostracization. Yeah. But it also didn't like candy coat anything. Right. Like it was, it was great. No, no. It, that, that, that hit really hard. And, and has know, someone that... who's been in a few of those funny farms when I was dealing with things after Iraq, like, like, you know, Nick said he related a lot to the marriage counseling stuff. I related to that mental health stuff because I've been there and, I, and I've been there with my friends. So, well, I've been I've been there as a as a parent and looking at it and going, I get that we were in the service together and I really appreciate you and I still love you as my brother in arms. However, but, comma. However, I have a child who is not old enough to have the skills and the toolbox to deal with the things you're bringing to the table. So I, I thought it was really well done and, and it was a good point to make. And it's a hard point as a parent to make. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think we, we've beat that uh, to death. So let's talk about work-life balance. I think this one will hit a lot quicker because there's not as much to say. But Nick is the one who added this one to the notes. So Nick, what do you got to say on this one? Uh, work-life balance. You know, they were talking about it because his Reggie kept talking about, uh, well, you're thinking about the case right now, aren't you? Um, and Daniel, I think he, at this point, I think he had a good work-life balance at that point that it's brought up. I think his problems were before that, um, mainly because he didn't know how to express himself. Uh, but I think by the end of the story, <laughs> even though she's like, this doesn't mean we're not getting, but this doesn't mean we're getting back together. He's like, he's. He's got the work-life balance thing down. He's like, he knows where to focus his time and his energy in his relationship and on the job. You know, so I would, it, I would classify that ending as not necessarily happily ever after, but happily for now, I think, in that regard. Um, I don't know, other than the it's fact It's a happy pin. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know, other than to say that they focus on that as a main theme, and then anybody that's got a demanding job can relate. Like... On the one hand, yeah, you like the money my job brings in and that has certain obligations, but there's still, you know, you still can't just be a non-existent person for your family, especially when right. you have kids. I think it's something that we as a culture are struggling with. You're seeing it talked about on the news a lot. I don't yeah. know that there's a whole lot to say other than that it was a theme. Doc, unless you got something to add. No, I think Nick really hit on it. I mean, it's definitely, you do hear in there throughout that there's a lot of people who are going, Hey, you have to find a way. And, um, and the, and you, you definitely get the feel that 
some of the senior people in his unit have found a way to find that work-life balance, but that, but you also understand that with how they talk about it, that it wasn't an easy balance to find. And that's and where the, it takes a give and a take on both sides of that when you're in a relationship. Well, and, they, and everybody's is different too. But they do yeah. hit on that as part of, I mean, we could almost intertwine this one with the mental health part because part of how they do it on this police unit who sees obviously if they're heaven and hell unit, they're going to see some gnarly stuff. So they hit on it with part of that balance is getting your mind right with your God, goddess, whatever, and with your counselor, right? But And uh, physical fitness too. They hit on that quite a bit too. That was Daniel's big... Um, uh, what made him stand out in the unit because he was so fit? Well, well, that's because that's what he did when his life sucked. Yeah, that you was know? a psychological touchstone, kind of. That yeah. that was his that's how, that was his coping mechanism for when life was crap on him. Some people drink, some people go out and gamble. This guy hit the gym, you know. And I wish I was that dedicated when my life turns to crap. Me you know? too. So say we all. Uh, to quote, <laughs> you Star know. Wars. Uh, right. Actually, that's not Star Wars. Don't send the hate mail. It's Battlestar Star Galactica. I know this. I know this. Um, oh, all right, you almost so the, got a whole bunch of nerds on you, buddy. I know I almost got the nerd army raging at me, but uh, I know you've got a time crunch because you promised Miss <laughs> you promised Miss Stabby margaritas and oh. chips and salsa, bro. She will all stab right. me for it. All right, so uh, what did you think of the novel overall, Nick? Since you're uh, you're the one talking right now, I give the second stick. All right, um, I give I give it four out of five. Um, the reason why I didn't get five is because it was at, for the world build, building, like I said earlier, that's definitely a five out of five. That's that's actually extended scale. Um, but I had some questions that weren't answered, nor was there even hint that they were going to be answered, but I have to, I, I'm putting faith in this, uh, in this author to, to answer those questions and, and entertain me along the way. So I give it a four out of five. It's, it's, yeah, it's a soft four, but it's pretty good. Pick it up. Okay. Uh, what about you, doc? I give it a five out of five. You got any reasons for it that you want to add? or just... I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a very different... It was still similar enough to Anita Blake that and Laurel K... Uh, and um, Laurel K. Hamilton's Meredith Gentry series that if you enjoy it, you'll, you'll enjoy those. But it had... It didn't have that adult content that sometimes I just don't want in a book. Sometimes I just don't want to deal with adult content. And it didn't have that that hard ad adult content, which I honestly was refreshing at, in some ways. I mean, I love, in case anybody doesn't understand, I love Meredith Gentry. I love Anita Blake. But I also really enjoyed kind of a return to that more straight up detective series and uh, without the... Um, adult content. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super good. I hope I look forward to seeing what happens next. And um, I mean, I mean, I, it, it felt very fresh to me without the, it, in many ways for, you know, a woman who has over 40 novels, this novel felt very fresh, but with the polish of a seasoned professional author. So out of, out of five lightsabers, zero to five, what would you give it? I already said five. All right. So five blasters, five blades. All right. So for me, overall, the, the novel did leave me wanting more. Um, although the 
cliffhanger at the end had me cussing at Siska for making us read this novel. I was like, you, and it went from there. Um, but if I remember in a year or two when the next book comes out, I'd definitely read it. Um, the raw material for greatness in, this, remind you. Uh, in this universe is there. It's a solid world. The characters, I didn't hate. The plot definitely had room to be something awesome. Uh, a lot of X person said on the dialogue, the narrative, which is something I noticed because I listened to a lot of audio. It's something that the audio revolution has changed uh, in how authors write. Anita, excuse me, Laurel K. Hamilton has uh, established herself. So she hasn't updated with the time, so to speak. So she still does a lot of Bob said, Jim said, and it sticks out. Um, there was some mix up, like we talked about with the narrator, which, which bugged me a little bit. Um, some of the story had some political slash gendered bias that did jerk me out of the story. Uh, maybe that's just me being hypersensitive to it because of the world we live in. Uh, Doc's nodding her head. Yes. Uh, but it wasn't so bad that I threw the book. So, I mean, like that could, I'm willing to keep going again, cliffhanger ending, maybe mad. Um, a lot of the world building slowed down the plot, but the world building was so excellent. I was willing to forgive it. I felt like the price point was a little bit much. Uh, and that's pretty standard with trad pub in general. I, I think some of those books get overpriced. I probably couldn't afford to read uh, a lot of those books on a regular basis. I'd have to go to the library. So I'm probably going to have to figure out how the library does audiobooks. Um, overall, we'll go together, man. We got this. <laughs> overall, I'd say, you know, so I'm somewhere between three and four stars or, or Blasters and Blades. So I'm going to give it four just because, you know, I err on the side of generous. There was room for improvement overall, but I definitely wanted a sequel. I definitely liked a lot of it. And I probably if I was rating this when the next books were out and I was already reading the next one, probably give it five stars. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, and since we are on a time crunch, um, before we let you go, we are going to harken back to our, to our founding as a sci-fi shenanigans and say, please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platform. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So, so do the thing people. And as you notice, Nick dipped out because his wife was about to stab him and we don't want a man down. Um, but we did have to leave that man behind. So Doc and I are going to bring this to a close. We didn't leave so. him behind. He left us behind. He went to go have margaritas and chips. Uh, I really want the chips and queso. Yeah, that does sound delicious. But I start I my diet wait. again after Easter. So blah. I don't play that game. Well, I, I, I got to be. What's to say you want to be airborne? You got to be thin. Well, I just want to be thin at this point. So um, not that I ever wear it again, but it'd be nice to fit back into my uniform. Um, although I'm old enough that all of my uniforms are no longer in service, so I don't know what that's worth. Uh, my mother just took all my uniforms away. She went, oh, look, you've been out for eight years. You don't need these anymore. Mine are in a duffel bag at the bottom of my stairs somewhere, and like archaeologists will find it in 100 years. My mother like, has no boundaries. <laughs> so the next part of the uh, we would normally do post book review we'd talk about what we're reading now but you just listened to that episode so we're not going to make you listen again because it'd be the same um, <laughs> so instead we're going to talk about how you could find us so we are over on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show again twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show we are email is the blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com we have the facebook group where all the shenanigans happen you should go check us out join the comment section tell us everything we got wrong tell doc everything she got wrong and that jr was right about everything you know however you want to do it doc whatever is stop having your tourette's moment 
you, you know, you want to tell her that pineapple absolutely does not belong on pizza. That's the great place to do it. Stop sending me your hateful pictures, people. That's torture. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash group backslash blasters and blades podcast. You can find our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on more is always appreciated. Uh, but you know, if all you do is share with your friend, that counts too. That that does help spread the good word uh, and help us, you know, keep the lights on. You can also support the show at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co-hosts Doc Seska and Nick Garber uh ensconced in a library of books that they can only read in a lifetime of lifetimes because who doesn't need new books i need new books some of you think we drink more than we do because we make jokes about it so we're gonna not make that joke today and see how you like it and maybe we'll find another bit down the line but but you know you gotta support I do actually cabin. drink coffee oh there you go i can keep my co-host Nick Garber and Doc Seska duly caffeinated they will drink coffee until their liver surrenders my liver will never surrender. Or never quit because mama didn't raise a quitter, right? Nope. All right, Doc, bring it home. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us here at the Blasters and Blaze podcast. For the not-stabbed uh, Nick Garber, the, I don't know, his special J.R. Hanley. He is special, guys. Trust me, I know this. Um... I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back same time next week. Same time, same place. We're enjoying our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and of course, all things that go boom and pineapple on pizza. Heresy! No. Heresy!